Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. Ever wondered just how involved God is in your daily life? Then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Dylan Meyer, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, the Ten Commandments, baptism, Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to the Living Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, special episode, Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church, and we're glad that you're with us today. And we have a special guest uh, today in this special episode. It's the President and CEO, Joy Ryan of Dakota Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch Family Corporation. Uh, They have three different organizations. We're going to learn a little bit about that today. We're really glad that you're with us, Joy, and being able to share that with us. Uh, As we get started, uh, just for full disclosure here, for over 20 years, I've had the privilege to be kind of a part-time chaplain with Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch here in Bismarck. Uh, It's much brighter than Bismarck. We're going to hear about that from Joy. But just so you know, um, I've been involved with Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch and helping to bring spiritual life here. So as we talk about this, this is something near and dear to my heart. So Joy, we're glad that you're with us today. I'm glad to be here, Pastor Marcus, and it's an honor to have you be part of the ranch. Oh, well, thank uh, you, you have very done much. remarkable things for our kids and for our staff. So thank you. Well, it's actually a team effort. Uh, It's very special. Our congregation has very much uh, bought into the mission of the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. They very much are involved with it. And since we're also involved in the uh, vicarage program here, our vicars are very much involved with it. And one of our former associate pastors, uh, Pastor Douglas Berglund, was a chaplain at the ranch here in Bismarck for eight years. He's been serving on the board for Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. So when I say it's near and dear to my heart, I mean, I think that's the way it is, but it's very much a team effort. And I'm really excited about being able to share with you a little bit more about the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch, uh, especially from the perspective of uh, the president and CEO of the organization. So, Joy, we're glad you're with us. Now, as we get started, Joy, one of the things that would be, I think, very interesting uh, for the people to know, what kind of educational background do you have to get into this type of work and ministry? I think there are a lot of different paths into this ministry. Um, You know, we at Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch, we employ a full-time chaplain. We have two full-time deaconesses. So some of our folks come through that that clergy level or that education. Some folks are behavioral health specialists. We have a psychiatrist on staff. We have multiple psychologists, advanced practice nurses, um, RNs, as well as therapists, licensed social workers. I came from a different direction. And that's kind of the interesting thing I wanted to point there. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of different avenues and needs for the for the, for the the youth that you are able to serve. But for you personally, as the present CEO, what was the path that you took to get there? Well, it was a little um, circuitous, I okay. think, until... Um, I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from the University of North Dakota and a master's degree in um, <laughs> master's degree in management. I had to stop and think there for well, a minute. Sure. And then a postgraduate um, certificate in executive leadership from the University of Michigan. So that's my educational background. I started out on the business side of the world. I started out in advertising and marketing and then marketing research. Um, 
but then had the opportunity to start teaching at the University of North Dakota. So I did that at the same time that I was working in in the field, um, worked in the field of communications. And then in the 1990s, which is so long ago now, oh. uh, there <laughs> there's a kind of up um, upheavals in the corporate world, and I found myself wondering exactly what was the next step. I'd been um, on the road and had had a nice career, um, but was looking at what was the next thing I was going to do. And I had a call from a friend that said there was this small position open at the Village Family Service Center at that time. They only had funding for a year. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll take a sabbatical from the corporate world and start working in, uh, in social services and really see if, if I can use my skills to make an impact. And so I spent 22 years at the village. That's a, long, that's a long sabbatical. It was a long sabbatical. It was a long sabbatical and really touched my heart. I had an opportunity to have, um, have on-the-job training in all the areas of um, you know, counseling practice, adoption practice, uh, financial counseling, all areas of social service. And I was working as... Um, executive vice president after 22 years and was really in a place of um, comfort, I guess, more than anything. And I took a call from a lady in Philadelphia from a search company that had been employed by Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. And she told me that my predecessor, who had been at the ranch 44 years, was retiring. Gene Caseman had been there a long time. Been there a very long time, was the first teacher ever hired at the ranch. And and Gene had led the ranch through great expansion, through wonderful connections, had had established the first call for us with a chaplain, um, had built, built relationships Absolutely. with Zion and, and other congregations in the state. Um, but the woman said, Gene's retiring, and I still wasn't really paying attention, I guess. And I said, well, tell him congratulations. He's done a lot for the children of North Dakota as well as the region. And she said, no, the board would like to interview you. And so I entered the interview um, realm, and every step of the way, I felt more and more called mm -hmm. to come to the ranch. It's the first... I I make a habit of loving my jobs because life's too short. But that was the first time that I really felt that I was being nudged and and being told, no, this this is this is where you're supposed to be. So I started August 3rd of um, 2015. I just celebrated my eighth, we call them ranch anniversaries. Ranch anniversary, right. And I am um I'm honored. I'm honored every day to have a chance to be part of this ministry. This is a faith-based ministry, which makes it different than simple social services. Absolutely. Yes. Well, one of the things that you said about that background, and I, I would really like to reinforce that to our listeners, and that is that to be a good leader in a social service organization, faith-based social service organization, to understand what it's like working on the floor with the clients and the people that are served. Uh, it, it's not the normal top down, it's really bottom up to understand that it's meeting the needs of the individuals and that's hard work. 
and uh, very easy to uh, talk about numbers and so forth. But with your background and having been at for 22 years in it, coming into the ranch, you know, get, having that idea and understanding what it's like to be on the floor doing the ministry really uh, puts you in a good position to be the leader of a large organization. Now, one of the things I think that people might be surprised, so how many individuals across the three campuses and the three different corporations are employed uh, by the Ranch Corporation. As of today, a little over 500. And I think that'll surprise a lot of people. Yes, I think so too. And and we wish it was closer to 550. We're always looking for good Lutherans to step into all types of positions at the ranch. We have direct care positions, uh, working directly with the kids. Through every, people are, are surprised because we have accountants and nurses and teachers and and if you name an occupation, we probably we have truck drivers. Um, so we we have a place for everyone who believes in that area of social ministry and and the power of faith and healing. Well, one of the things that's interesting is the the Boys and Girls Ranch has a long history in North Dakota. And as many of you who may be a little bit older uh, might remember, it used to be Dakota Boys Ranch uh, and then uh, made the transition to Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. And uh, so stepping back, uh, Joy, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what were the type of boys that were served first uh, when the Dakota Boys Ranch began? What was the type of client and individual that they were serving? Well, at the very beginning, the the idea came from a small Lutheran co- congregation outside of Mapleton, North Dakota, and it was 1952. And the impact of the casualties of World War II was just were just becoming evident. There were young boys who were being asked to go out and help um, and live on their own in the big cities of Fargo and Grand Forks and send money back to the family or work as agricultural laborers. And the small congregation said, no, that's not what childhood should be about. And these kids really need the guidance of a good Lutheran family. And they started recruiting those families across the state. They called them host families, Mm -hmm. what we would now call foster families. Um, But the the congregation just self-ran it. One of those families were Louie and Ida Christine Butt up by Tully, North Dakota. And um, Ida Christine and Louie did not have any children of, the, of their own. They had a large ranch, um, a large ranch home. And they said, we can take some boys. And they, so they first took six boys, and then they closed in their, you know, the lean-to that's on every farm home in North oh, Dakota absolutely. at that time, insulated it, and Louis built bunk beds, and they had 10 boys living with them. Those boys went to church with them at the Tully Lutheran Church. Um, I believe it was the German Lutheran Church at that time. The um, the congregation still has you know memories of the boys and all of all of that um, activity there. The kids went to the Tully School District, but there was such a waiting list at at it by 1957. There were 52 children, 52 boys on a waiting list that couldn't be served, and the delegate board that had then by then been created said we really need to purchase land we need to purchase it somewhere that that has the services that kids need and um Ida Christine and Louie actually donated their 
farm. And we were able to, in 1957, purchase land outside of Minot. That's our first campus. 1959, there were kids living there. As far as the children that have evolved over, it's changed over the years. Absolutely. Over I, and over again. And, and I think that uh, when we talk about the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch to most people, uh, they will notice it's the Minot campus. Right. Because as you said, that is the first campus. And if anybody's ever been there, it's like its own little village. Uh, you know, it has a school, it has the chapel, it has the administration building, the cafeteria, the cottages where the kids live. So, I mean, it's really, when it, it it's more than a ranch. It's obviously its own little community uh, there as well. And that's really, for a long time, was the identity of the ranch. And as you said, the kids have evolved a, a lot over the years. Uh, in the short time, 20 some years that I've been involved with the ranch, uh, here in Bismarck, the the clients have changed, the boys have changed. And of course, first was boys, now it's boys and girls. Uh, but when I, it's more than just that there's not boys and girls. Uh, obviously that's a big change when you have to then have housing for boys and girls. Uh, but the challenges that the the youth bring are different now than they used to be. Absolutely. Like I said, we've gone through several different um, manifestations of how we serve children since, since our founding. You know, in the 1970s, everything was about gangs. And people are surprised to hear that in the 1970s, almost 100% of our children either came from Indianapolis um, Chicago or Denver, because that's where the gang activity was. So the the boys who came to the ranch in the seventies were were not North Dakotans, mm -hmm. but they they needed that support. They needed to get out of the gang environment, do those things. Um, now, over the last well, about the same amount of time you've been involved, the ranch has evolved to be uh, truly providing medical care. Um, we are now on on all three of our campuses. We have a campus in Fargo, one here in Bismarck, and one in Minot um, to provide what is called psychiatric residential treatment facilities. So we, serve, we provide the highest level of psychiatric care for children and adolescents outside of an acute psychiatric hospital. Which I think is something that most people, when they think of the ranch, would be amazed to hear. And I think that's one of the reasons why I thought it was very important that we had the opportunity to visit with you, Joy, was to be able to share that. Uh, it, it's a very much of an education for our vicars when they go to these meetings because they talk about all the various uh, diagnosis of the children that are being served. And they're youth, they're high school youth for most part, so they're really youth. It's hard to think of them as children. And yet uh, the very challenges, uh, both uh, physically, emotionally, um, psychologically, and then even the home settings that they're in. And uh, it's always interesting with each different vicar that we have, and you'll appreciate this, Joy, because they come back from those meetings and there's so much terminology. And what did this mean? And what did that mean? And how do we do that? And um, so it is very much a specialized ministry. Um, and I think that people would be very surprised to understand how absolutely involved it is and uh, how many 
how difficult it is to really be able to meet the needs of these these youth. And it's a very important ministry yes. as well. The the children that we serve are not. Um, that many, many interventions have been tried, and many of our children have multiple suicide attempts because 100% of the children who are at the ranch are trauma survivors. Every one of them, we all have in our lives what are called adverse childhood experiences. I'm sure, I, I don't know your you're growing up, but I'm sure at some point somebody you loved while you were young died or you had some kind of an incident that was traumatic. But the kids that we serve have an inordinate amount of those. They've been sexually abused over and over and over again. They have um, experienced neglect or they have experienced poverty in a way that um, caused them to sometimes be monetized, which is a, a horrible way of saying those things, yes. but live, lived in, in um, situations where there was drug abuse, addiction, all of those things. And, and their families are, are hurt. You know, we always say hurt, hurt people hurt people. Right. And, and so these children have experienced trauma. They have survived that trauma by developing um, behaviors that help protect them from being hurt again. But they're often destructive behaviors because addiction That's right. is often a part of the challenge that they have to go with them. And the addiction, there's all kinds of addictions Absolutely. to understand that, that, that they deal with. And uh, obviously, one of the things that I often refer to that's very difficult uh, in confirmation class, the close of the commandments, the sins of the fathers unto the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Um, no, they're not being punished for their, their parents' sins, but it's interesting in these kind of situations how you see the sins of the grandfather's been passed on to the parent and the parent onto the children. And so part of what you're saying here then, Joy, correct me if I'm wrong, is break the cycle. Absolutely. That's that's exactly where we're, we're trying to teach them um, coping skills and ways to overcome some of their psychiatric illness and some of their behavior issues in a way that it helps them be. Our mission statement is about helping at-risk children and their families succeed in the name of Christ. Success means that you can function within the environment, but none of that happens without an opportunity to hope. And that's where our faith-based work comes in. That's where our spiritual life programs come in. Um, one of the first things kids ask us is, you know, you tell me Christ loves me and He's beside me. But, so why did he let all this happen to me? We say, he was with you. He experienced that with you. Right. And he loves you. And he's here beside you to take you to a new place, to to be with you. Well, now, one of the things that we've had earlier, we've had some of the staff, the spiritual life staff from the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. We had Pastor Rick Jones. He's the vice president of spiritual life services. Uh, the Fargo campus has a deaconess. The Minot campus has a deaconess. 
Bismarck campus has me and the we vicar, have, so yeah, I don't know, that it, quite, I don't know that it quite adds up to the deaconesses <laughs> that we have at the other. But the point is that there are spiritual life staff at all three campuses, and and a part of that is, in, as you've heard in earlier episodes, we have uh, spirituality time once a week, we have chapel once a week, uh, there is the one-on-one time that the spiritual life staff has to be able to be with them and do that. And so while... Uh, that portion of the service is not paid for by the state. This is where we get uh, the donations and so forth. Uh, that is paid for 100% through the Dakota ba- Boys and Girls Ranch, I am assuming, foundation, getting the money for that. Uh, it, that is still central, nevertheless, to the process. Now, one of the things that's interesting, and Joy, I'm, I'm going to lead you into this, but I, I've experienced this, is that each week, the staff gets together and has what we call team meeting. And part of the team meeting is uh, talking about how things are going with each and every one of the residents. And uh, so you have the therapist there, you have the social workers there, you have the, you know who's in charge of the direct care staff, the school staff, and the spiritual life staff is a part of that. And so uh, why is it, Joy, that we bring all those things, including the spiritual life, together at that time each week to be able to do that? Because every child has is their own um, creation. And every child is lacking different components in their healing. Um, so one child might have many more medical needs. We have several children with really quite high medical needs. And so the nursing staff need to be there to say, this is what's complicating their ability to to focus in school. This is what's complicating their um, their ability to participate in wellness programs. We need to have the floor staff there, or the, the program, the treatment staff there to know what behaviors are triggering things. But the spiritual life staff are the ones that can identify when there's hope. Mm-hmm. The, the spiritual life staff are the ones who say, you know, they came to spiritual life for, um, you know, three weeks and really didn't participate. But this week, they asked me three questions about the Ten Commandments, or they asked me the questions about the story of Job. That's one of the kids' favorites, right? Absolutely. Because they they certainly relate to Job. Um, the spiritual life is is a cornerstone of the healing of the children, even for the children who don't necessarily embrace um, Christianity while they're with us or embrace Christ while they're with us. We hear time and time again from children who have been out of the ranch five years or 10 years who contact us back and say, you know, I found a church and I never thought I would. I fought you every day at the ranch, but you were right. Well, what's really interesting is that uh, to see the progression and also for you to understand that uh, this is almost like a triage type situation in the sense that 
it's not long term for the most part. I mean, every once in a while, there's a youth that's there for a year, very rarely. But uh, it's usually so a couple of months, and they they move on. And I think that's also something that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily understand. So this constant revolving door of youth coming in, youth leaving, uh, and so forth. But it, what's interesting is uh, the joy that I hear oftentimes uh, from the vicars when there's these little victories along the way. And 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 one of the victories that I heard recently that I think is really one of the neat ones, you know, I'm an atheist, I don't believe. And yet, for some reason, the vicar connected somehow, like over lunch or whatever, okay, yeah, I'll go. And uh, then when chapel was over, she asked the vicar, can I have a Bible? I mean, you know, and, and now... Obviously, we're talking on the beginning of a journey. We're not talking an end of a journey. Uh, but, you know, it's those little kind of things that make a difference. And um, the little victories along the way are really big victories. But you you have to begin the journey. And that, I, I believe that was that vicar's first or second week with us. It was us. the first, second week, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it it's such a... Um, it's such a door opening because then you can have conversations about everything else. If you know you're not being judged by God, you have another opportunity. Um, I think about, and can I tell a story about a absolutely, child? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think about a child on our Minot campus, and the first time I saw him, and I'll call him Michael, but the first time I saw him it was his first day at the ranch, and I heard a howling. I didn't know. It, it sounded almost like a wild animal. And I went outside and here were a number of staff and there was this little bundle sitting in one of the soccer um, nets. And it was Michael. And it was, and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, Michael was left here in North Dakota. Um, a family had brought him with us during, brought them brought him with them during the big oil boom. And um, and when he appeared in his school district with all kinds of injuries, they called social services as they should. Um, social services went to talk to the family and the next day, and Michael was taken out of the home. The next day, the family left North Dakota, and Michael was in the care of social services, and he was brought to the ranch. Um, extreme, extreme behaviors. Um, 11 years old, still wasn't potty trained, um, had some language skills, but we didn't know how much. Horrible, aggressive behaviors. Uh, the only time he was at peace was he had one staff person that he liked to go fishing with, and they would sit and fish. We have a pond on the Minot campus, and they would sit and fish. And he didn't really care if he caught, you know, he didn't care if there right. was bait on there or anything. That was just a quiet place for him. Um, didn't like to get dressed in the morning, didn't like to do hygiene, had never done those things. And slowly discovered that he would wear clothes that were khaki, red, or black, because that's what his favorite staff wore. And so we got him, threw out everything else, got him an assortment of clothes. Um, over time, found out that this family that had brought him to North Dakota was not even his family. They were using him to, um, use, they were selling him to create money for the, the addictions that they had. Mm -hmm. um, 
We found out he had a traumatic brain injury, had was on the autism spectrum. Um, when we started with him in our school, he couldn't be with the rest of the classroom, so we we set it up so he could see the class, hear the class, participate in the class. The first time that that Michael talked to me, I was walking down the sidewalk and I had on red shoes, and he looked at me and he said, "You're wearing too much red," and just kept going. Um, the second time, he took me into the classroom and explained to me the difference between. Um, liquids exchanging between a barrier and osmosis. Michael was incredibly smart, but so many things had happened to him that he couldn't handle any change in schedule. He couldn't handle any variations. But over time, and with the right medications, and with the right therapy, and with the love of everyone, um, he started to show his beauty. And one of the first things he decided to do independently was to approach Chaplain Rick and ask to be baptized. You know, those stories are are, are not atypical. Now, the specificness of the story may be atypical, but the stories in and of themselves are, are not atypical. Uh, one of the things that I think that it's always interesting. We're used to as Lutherans, we go to church and everybody stands up when they're told to stand up. They sit down when they're told to sit down. Uh, they speak the por portions that are the liturgy. And other than that, uh, and sing when the portions of the liturgy. But other than that, uh, they're going to be quiet. Uh, you have chapel at the ranch. You're not quite sure who's going to get up. They might leave. They might come back. They might not come back. They might just blurt out a question in the middle of it. Uh, you might have a message and absolutely never get to it, even though it's a chapel service. Um, one of the one of the early chapels that I had once we moved over to Bismarck, because I did start working when we were still over in Mandan, uh, when I got to, to Bismarck, uh, we were starting chapel and we were going through the thing and I was getting ready and, and this uh, one kid just put out, you know, I'm an atheist. And I said, oh, really? Well, you know, I'm glad you're here. He said, really? I said, yeah. And then he was quiet the rest of the time. And but every week he came back. I it was like I'm not going to argue with you that you're if you're an atheist. But that sure wouldn't happen here at Zion on a Sunday morning. I can tell you that. And so that's also part of the interesting learning experience for the 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 vicars is they're up, they're down, they're out, they're back. They didn't come back. They did come back. I mean, you just don't know. You might start with 10 and finish with two. You might start with two, finish with 12. I mean, you just don't know. And uh, so it's, a, it's a, but it's meeting each of them where they're at and their spiritual needs. I, I think the fact that the vicars, the, um, you have set an example of, Accepting these children as Christ's children, even though they don't know it. And I always say there's a special place in heaven for the people who try to lead spiritual life services at the ranch, because the kids are hungry to learn. But even in the classroom, when our kids come to us, they can only sit at a desk for about seven minutes at a time. Oh, absolutely. You know, so a 45-minute chapel service is, uh, is um, 
you're going to get some engagement from them. And well, some of them have sure. studied a lot. Some of them have studied the Bible a lot, and they like to quiz, too. Oh, yeah. So that's a whole yeah. other aspect of it. Well, here's one of the other interesting things. So when uh, our last vicar, Jason Kahn, was here, uh, one of the things that we he'd been using for spiritual life at times was the video series, The Chosen. And I really like The Chosen. It, uh, you know, it puts a humanness to the disciples and so forth. And it takes a little bit of creative license because it's trying to get you to understand how Peter might have acted from the, what we know in the scriptures and so forth. And uh, I was, you know, he was gone for a week, so I was doing chapel and I was going through the story. And and the uh, one of the kids, no, no, Simon said that, not not uh, not Thomas. It was it was Simon, and I'm like Simon who? And and uh, so you know, I said, oh, it's like, well, tell me more. You know, we're going through it, and 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 it didn't take. Oh, I'm thinking back in my head. He's talking about the chosen. And so, oh, well, this is a different one that they were talking about. And I'm thinking, because uh, I, I, that episode I had not seen, so I had no idea where he was going with that. <laughs> but, but, but what it also showed me was that The Chosen was something they were watching closely, learning about the scriptures, and not necessarily memorizing the passages, but boy, he knew exactly what was there. And so the story I was telling was a little off from what he had known. And so, uh, but it also showed uh, that, they really were engaged with that and mm-hmm. were looking for that and learning for that. Well, you know, uh, is there anything else that we... Now, one of the things we did talk about, and it would be nice to... We've kind of hinted at it. Maybe you could fill a little bit. So there is three campuses. We talked a lot about the Minot campus mm-hmm. being the first one. It's kind of like its own little village and so forth. But there are two other campuses. Yes. We have... Uh, the Minot campus is our largest and oldest campus and then uh, Fargo has a campus. I, I always say it's almost like North Wapaton because we're way on the south end of Fargo. It's about a 45-acre campus. And then we have a, uh, a unique campus here in Bismarck, the one that, that you and your vicars spend time at, because it's one building. And, um, and we are able to incorporate our school. We have we have school locations in on all three of our campuses. It's Dakota Memorial School, and we serve not only our residents, but um, day students from surrounding schools who are unable to get what they need within their home school districts. So their home school districts ask us to uh, educate them. We teach the same rigorous curriculum as the public schools, but on an individualized basis for each child. Uh, and that happens on all three campuses. So the campus in Fargo, Uh, can serve children from 6th grade till 12th grade, or we say around 12 years old to 18. The one here in Bismarck, 12 or 13 to 18. And in Minot, we go down to age 10 for residential students, but we actually have day students down to 2nd grade. So we have 8-year-olds on the campus in in Minot. Um, They each have their own unique characteristics, but they're all tied together by our by Christ at our center. And so uh, describe the, now you said in Bismarck, we have one building and it houses everything. Uh, they're going to be adding on to it. Thank heavens, finally, we're going to get a chapel. Uh, I kept bugging and saying, so am I going to retire before this chapel's being built? But uh, we're in the, it's in the process of having groundbreaking soon and the building is getting started. So it will happen before I retire. Uh, but the, the campus at 
uh, Fargo is a little bit larger campus. It has quite a quite a nice facility, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the campus in Fargo. We were in a smaller location, and then, as I said, Gene. Caseman was um, a visionary about expansion and making sure that we had the facilities we needed for future generations. And so uh, started the construction in, in Fargo in about 2011 on the new campus and opened part of it in 2014, part of it in 2015. And uh, the chapel was the last, the chapel on the on the um, Fargo campus was the last component to open. It is a beautiful campus. It is designed to mimic a bonanza farm. So we've got the architecture looks like you have a bunkhouse and a main building, and then that beautiful little um, Lutheran chapel that sat outside of every town right. is uh, the crown and glory. Looks like multiple buildings. It's actually only two buildings, which helps us with transfer with the kids. As you can imagine, there are lots of challenges with moving our kids from building to building, and um, they have lots of demons they're fighting, and we try to make it as safe and secure and also home-like as we possibly can. Well, this has been a quick overview. Uh, Believe me, we could say a whole lot more about the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. Uh, It is a special ministry here in North Dakota, uh, something that uh, I think as Lutheran Christians in the state of North Dakota, we can be... um, correctly proud of. I mean, I mean, I know sometimes people say, ah, we can't. Be. Yes, we can correctly be proud of, of what it's been able to, the people and youth it's been able to serve, and ultimately now as adults that they, they have, uh, as Joy mentioned, uh, after they're out, realizing some of the th- changes there. Any uh, final uh, comments about the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch portion of the family of corporations that you would like to share with us today? The ranch would not exist without the prayers and support of the Lutheran Christians across the country. Um, I think with all the derision and and difficulties in our country, uh, everyone cares about kids. And this is a place where you, and I mean you in in the greatest Lutheran Christian sense have said, we're going to provide mercy care and we're going to change the next generation. I am humbled to be part of it. I am grateful for the um, opportunity to see what that impact can be. So I feel blessed to be standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think I, I, I'm thankful every day. Well, this has been a little bit different episode. We're going to hear more and more from uh, different individuals that are living the faith. Joy is an example of living the faith uh, in her vocation and in her life. Uh, But it also talks about ways that we can also be living the faith in uh, ways that in prayer, uh, with our financial gifts. One of the things that Zion does that I think is really uh, near and dear to my heart is, you know, a congregation needs to be outreaching. We It's so easy to be in-reaching, helping our members and those that are in need. You know, we have fundraisers for this and fundraisers for that. But uh, one of the things that um, I'm always encouraging the uh, to try to find in Fargo and Minot, but uh, Zion, every Christmas... Uh, gets the 16 residents, we have eight boys, eight girls, uh, they they make a little list of about three or four presents that they that they would like to get. Uh, 
about $15 we say, but it, uh, and then they make this list and we have the, the people take it and they each get like about three presents, uh, sometimes four, depends. Uh, but, uh, and usually if it's four, everybody gets four, uh, that, uh, cause believe me, they count. But the interesting thing is that the, the people, if by Thanksgiving, we don't have that tree up with what these kids want. It's like, uh, the vicar and I are in big trouble cause we haven't gotten that out yet, uh, because they do that and they actually get extra presents, which is good because usually some resident leaves and another resident comes. But besides that, uh, every one of the uh, employees here in Bismarck, school staff, executive staff, direct care staff, there's like 60 of them. They all get a $10 gift card, maybe a caribou card, maybe a Starbucks card, Burger King, whatever. Uh, so we do that every Christmas. And then uh, at Easter time, we make up a basket of different gifts for them, each one of the residents. Uh, so there is a Christian message involved in what we get them. And then again, the staff gets their res their gift cards again as we do that. Um, it, it's just a way that the congregation stays connected with it. And this is another thing that maybe Joy doesn't even know. The uh, They have a green, greenhouse here. At, I know she knows that here in Bismarck. And, uh, you know, then they bring their... The residents come over. They come and over with here, the, yeah. Their goodies. And, and, with their goodies on Sunday. Yeah. And you know, it's free will donation. And, and it's always, they go back, I can't believe how much money they put in here for this. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and some of them, I, I do know that some of them put money in it than they they don't even didn't take any vegetables. But the, my point is this, that the congregation here at Zion has really grabbed onto the Boys yeah. and Girls Ranch. And and it, it's more than the fact that, yes, the vicar goes over there, I go over there. I mean, they, they really see it as an extension of the kind of ministry that they're involved with here. And it's really, I think, good for congregations, if you're hearing this, to consider uh, that it's outreach to knows that ne you might never necessarily see through your doors. Now we do see some of them here on Sundays on occasion, but uh, the the fact that there we are the hands and feet of Jesus in a lot of different ways, and this is uh, I'm very blessed to be a part of Zion, which has very much uh, taken a part of that. So living the faith, and we're glad that you spent that time with us today to hear a little bit about Joy. Uh, we're going to have another a podcast coming up with Joy. There's more about the ranch and some of the other corporations to talk about, so you'll need to watch and listen for that. But we're glad that you're with us and ask the Lord's blessings uh, as you continue to live out the life of faith in whatever vocation and place that the Lord has blessed you. Lord's blessings this day. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your Holy Word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tuning next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the Scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.